From Pod News, welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. It's Thursday, the 22nd of September, 2022. I'm James Cridland, the editor of Pod News. And I'm Sam Sethi, the managing director of River Radio. He is. Podland is sponsored by Squadcast, the remote recording tool that creators love. Squadcast has just launched version 5 with new features and a new look. 4,100 hours of high-quality audio is remotely recorded every week using Squadcast, and they're doing something new and exciting. They have a new Slack channel uh, where you can uh, share Squadcast updates. Well, they can probably share Squadcast updates with you. Um, You, though, can ask and answer tech questions and set up cross-promos and other collaborations and more. Uh, If you're interested, then uh, send a DM to SquadcastFM, which is all one word on Twitter, if you want to get into their Slack channel. Indeed, and we're sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. Last week, 3,421 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout, and now there's Buzzsprout ads to grow your podcast wherever it's hosted. And new to Buzzsprout ads, you can now monetize your back catalogue. Buzzsprout ads can now find insertion points in your entire back catalogue automatically. Just click on an episode without insertion points, Click the mid-roll settings, which is new, and Buzzsprout ads will find your mid-roll placements for that episode. It's especially useful if your podcasts are evergreen. It's very cool, and we thank them both for their support. Podland is where Sam and I review the week's top podcasting stories covered on Pod News. We support both transcripts and chapters, so you can jump to the part of this podcast that interests you the most. If your podcast app doesn't support transcripts or chapters, then grab a new app from podnews.net forward slash new podcast apps. Now, James, let's get on with the news. As expected, uh, the big announcement, Spotify's launched audiobooks, and as expected, it's only in the USA. Uh, Audiobooks will, though, cost extra, so it's on top of your subscription. Uh, But interestingly, you'll be taken to a different website to make the purchase. James, tell me more. Yes, I guess you'll be taking to a different website to purchase it uh, so that uh, Apple and Google don't get their sticky mitts on 30% of the price of the book. But as you say, um, uh, they are an extra cost. Um, Spotify's Nir Zickerman, who is the other founder of Anchor, he calls it an epic shift Um, in a blog post that is posted on Medium. And former Spotify exec Michael Mignano, friend of the show, calls it a big deal for creators in a Twitter thread. And he goes quite sort of hard against um, Audible. He says that Audible has an effective monopoly and a flat rate pricing model and boo, and Spotify is going to change the world. I can't really see the difference between what they're doing and Audible. As I said last week, I had a really great lunch with Will Page, friend of the show, who's the ex-chief economist for Spotify, uh, Mm. along with Oscar Merry. And we talked about different models of payment. You know, um, they could have done it so differently, but they're going to do it on a, you know, you purchase on an individual basis each book. Um, There are going to be no exclusives um, within the Spotify app. Um, I can't create credits there's no value system for me to create anything so on audible i get credits every month that i've paid for a book could be 21.99 it could be a different price point on audible but i can Mm. just pay with one credit and often the credit is cheaper to buy than it is to buy with cash well i think what michael mcnano is trying to say is that um, spotify lets a creator charge whatever the creator wants to charge and that's better for the creator 
Audible with their credits uh, essentially means that everything costs the same, um, which I find an astonishing thing from a man who who used to work for Spotify, which has completely changed the music model so that all music costs the same. And all of a sudden he's saying, you know, but that's a really bad thing. And uh, the way that books work is different. So it's a very peculiar uh, argument. You can tell that he doesn't work at uh, Spotify anymore. I guess I can see his point of view that actually some people think that their books are worth more. The thing that surprises me about um, Spotify and audiobooks, and this is a really minor point, but nevertheless, I'm still going to make it. Uh, is that um, audiobooks, they all have um, square bits of artwork in Spotify. Books don't look like that. But nevertheless, all of the artwork is completely square. So some poor person has been uh, redoing all of those um, book covers uh, and uh, made them all square for 300,000 books, which is the catalogue that um, Spotify has available. That's uh, quite a lot of hard work. And who knows why they haven't actually just made the audio books look like books instead of just a, a square artwork, a bit like a podcast. But, um, you know, who knows? Well, it explains why they're so late with bringing audio books out then, doesn't it? <laughs> How else might they have uh, charged for uh, books then, in your opinion? Well, we talked about using uh, the value for value system. And I think, you know, as we start to see how this is evolving out, they could have charged for uh, each book on that model, or they could have charged as a additional flat fee. So they could have gone two ways. One would have been go $16.99 or $19.99 for your, your subscription to Spotify and eat all your like books, right? Um, mm. Which would have been an interesting model to break the, the stranglehold. Or the other model, as we say, could have been value for value. So I'm going to so read So what do you mean book. by value for value? If you liked this book, then pay the author what you think it deserves? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You, you could have had a, a minimum value. So you could have said it's so much, you know, it has to be, uh, again, they don't support sats, but it could have been 10,000 sats was a minimum value. And then mm. anything above that, you can, you can additionally tip. Now, that would have been an interesting model. Coming from Spotify, who have made a big deal of making everything flat rate, um, it's just strange to see Spotify jumping in and going, OK, well, we're going to make it variable prices for books, um, but it's all you can eat for music. And for podcasts, you get it for free with ads in there. Um, it's a very confusing um, system, but, uh, you know, maybe there is a future of um, an additional plan that you can get, which is, I don't know, twenty five ninety nine a month. And that includes as many books as you want. And uh, Spotify essentially ends up working out, well, how many books can the average person use and um, how can we make that pay its way? But um yeah, it's a really interesting sort of maths uh, issue. Um, they, they are also doing a, a couple of other things as well. They've been working with um, a company called Wattpad, and they are bringing uh, Indonesian and Filipino web novel authors to podcasting. Don't know much about the web novel 
uh, scene, but um, it's sort of manga and that sort of thing. And they are essentially bringing those authors into the podcast world and making them uh, audio uh, books, which I think is uh, is interesting, or, or, or audio web novels, uh, whatever they are. And they've been also doing some interesting things with their video podcasting service, or at least other people have been using interesting things with their video podcasting service, haven't they? Yeah, it seems that apparently it's being used to pirate movies. Uh, the company claims it takes IP infringement very seriously. Of course uh, they do. But you, you found, James, that um, and previously reported that Anchor has been using pirate podcasts. Um, tell me more, because obviously you've written about this. How are they hiding movies within it then? Well, so what people have been doing is they have been uploading full movies to Anchor as videos and then making those available as video podcasts on the Anchor system. And because nobody, of course, checks what the content is, um, then all of a sudden you've been able just to search Spotify for, I don't know, Minions, The Rise of Gru, for example, which is uh, one of them. And hey, presto, you'd find somebody's pirate copy, which they've uploaded to Anchor as a video podcast and is now available in the Spotify uh, service. Um, which seems an unforeseen thing, presumably, of what uh, some people might end up using um, Spotify's video podcasting for. Yes, it's another sort of faux pas, and that happened the day before they announced audiobooks, which can't be um, a good thing for a presumably jittery um, book company (laughs) to basically look at and, and go, oh gosh, and we're jumping into bed with these guys. Now, moving on, Spotify's Chartable, which was acquired earlier this year, an analytics and attribution service, is lowering its price by 50%. Is this because people aren't using it anymore, James? Um, I don't know. My suspicion, if you were to ask me to be sarcastic and uh, and suspicious about it, my suspicion is think of all of the lovely data that they get from Chartable that they can reuse in their other products and go off and sell advertising in other podcasts. Um, so, of course, they want more people to use that. I think that's probably being a little bit unfair. Um, but, um, yeah, they're lowering their prices by uh, 50%. So, um, yeah. Yes, interesting seeing them move on that. And uh, meanwhile, in terms of content, Spotify's Ringer has added local sports podcasts focusing on some of the biggest sports markets in the country. By the country, they mean the US, obviously. Uh, There's Off the Pike with Brian Barrett from you know, somewhere. Uh, There's The Full Go with Jason Goff from somewhere else. There's New York, New York with John Chaz Tremensky, uh, which is um, from uh, New York, I'm going to guess. And The Ringer's Philly Special, which is um, not uh, clearly uh, announced by anybody special. Uh, Anyway, they're all now available in uh, Spotify's The Ringer. Sport is very good. I mean, Amazon this week announced that it had the biggest three hours of signups ever for Prime Mm. during the first exclusive NFL stream that it ran. And I know that in the UK, Amazon have started to take Premier League football, uh, soccer to the USA. Um, And yeah, they're seeing signups. It's why Sky still exists in the UK, um, because it holds football uh, as its primary sport. 
Indeed, though I do remember when Amazon first got hold of some uh, football, uh, their systems couldn't actually cope with it. This was back in 2015, I think, and their systems couldn't actually cope with it. And they ended up um, going to, uh, I think it was BT Sport, it and was. saying, look, we've got, these, we've got these rights, but we can't actually support the amount of people that might be watching. Was it, was it football or was it something else? I think it was football. No. It was over Boxing Day and Christmas. They they had three or four games, and, right? And their yeah, system yeah. struggled badly. Yeah, so they ended up basically giving it free to pubs, and they ended up giving it free to BT. I think to end up showing, uh, which was a bit a bit of a mistake. So clearly they've um, they've invested a little bit more uh, in terms of uh, bandwidth costs uh, and that sort of thing. Interestingly, if we're going to stick with um, uh, sport, then uh, Twitch, which is of course eSport, as you're watching people play on uh, computer games and stuff, uh, they are uh, changing the amount of money that they pay out to larger creators. They're going to pay rather less. And Twitch, which is owned by Amazon, says that it's got very high bandwidth costs and it can't afford it anymore. If only they had access to, <laughs> if only they had access to the largest uh, internet streaming company in the world. Uh, but there we go. Um, bless them. Uh, Acast, indeed, Acast themselves. Yes, uh, the hosting and monetization company. If anyone wasn't clearly aware who they were, uh, is laying off around seventy people, fifteen percent of its staff. Yes, that's right. Emily Villat, uh, Acast CFO, has said that, that the company can increase our internal efficiency significantly without compromising on the quality of our delivery. She would say that, wouldn't she? Um, Indeed. Uh, and, and by the way, the reason why I end up um, rather awkwardly having to explain what these companies are, podcast hosting and monetization company, um, is that uh, I do know that lots of people read pod news who are trying to get into the podcast industry, and they have no idea who Acast is, and they have no idea who Spotify is. Uh, is in terms of um, how how these things work and everything else. So I do end up having to explain them. You will notice uh, that The Economist does this every single time. So it'll, it will say, you know, according to a story in the New York Times, comma, a United States newspaper, comma, then blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so um, I try and it's do that. Good uh, enough for them, it's good enough for you. Yes, exactly. So I spoke to uh, an investor about Acast and asked them about uh, why is Acast making all of these people laid off? I assumed it was just that Acast have grown an awful lot. And um, at some point, you need to just have a sit back and go, are all of these people in the right place? Have we hired too many of those sorts of people, etc, etc. But no, it turns out that financial markets really want you to be profitable now rather than want you to be growing. So a few years ago, they were focusing very much on growing. Now they're focusing very much on profitability. Um, now, Acast has a little bit of spare cash, but it is currently making a loss um, of uh, minus 31% in terms of a profit margin. So everything that they sell, they're actually making a loss of about 30% of that. Um, and that means that they're valued very, very low. And um, so um, what these layoffs are there for is uh, hopefully speeding up their path to profitability. And it should also reduce the risk that they might run out of cash. Um, so that's why they're doing that. And I think it's probably a sensible thing, given Acast's growth, for them to have a look at this sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think a lot of companies, I mean, I, I, I put it's inevitable that a lot of companies are going to be uh, trimming the fat, as I would say. And um, Justin from Transistor was like, inevitable, question mark, question mark. 
Um, yeah, I do think it is inevitable. I think companies are going to find getting cash out of the market harder. We are going into a recession. We know that the Fed are putting up interest rates. And I think, uh, you know, investment banks and everyone else is going to be looking, as you said, uh, for companies to be profitable rather than um, in the negative, uh, looking to get cash. And the worst yeah. thing you can do is run out of cash anyway. That would be the worst situation. Uh, you'd end up with a fire sale. Indeed. And I think, you know, Justin is is um, absolutely proud of the fact that Transistor is a bootstrapped company. He has never taken any VC money, and that's, and that's a wonderful thing. Transistor is growing uh, slowly but surely over and has done over the last uh, number of years and is a really nicely well-run company. Clearly, uh, Acast uh, is different, and clearly, any venture capital, you know, funded company has to grow rather faster in order for it to earn money back for those investors. I guess. Well, it's a publicly listed company as well, isn't it? So, I mean, mm. they've got the market to consider every quarter. Um, you know, we've said it before: share prices are a reflection of risk going forward in the future, and um, the risk is that if you're going to run out of cash, they'll drop the share price. So, if you've got profitability, the share price will naturally uh go up anyway let's move on there is something that's been uh announced i have no understanding of it at all (laughs) and i'm going to ask you to explain it it's called the open podcast prefix project or op3 for short it was quietly launched by john spurlock and it's a prefix for analytic services committed to open data and listening. Yes, privacy. I will. Now I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so so the way that analytics works in podcasting is you can either get analytics from two places. You can get analytics from your own podcast host. So we get analytics for this show from Buzzsprout, and Buzzsprout's analytics are pretty good. You can also get analytics by having a prefix, and a prefix is basically an old lady standing in the middle of the road, and you walk up to the old lady and you say, which way to the post office? And she tells you it's over that way, and then writes a little number in her notebook of how many people have asked her the way to the post office. Um, And that's essentially what a prefix is. It's a little old lady standing in the middle of the road, pointing you to where the the podcast audio is. Um, and so there are examples of this, like Chartable, who we've already mentioned, um, PodTrack, uh, who do a very good job of this, and there are a number of other prefix companies. So you're probably wondering, well, what's the point of um, the Open Podcast Prefix Project, or OP3, because we've already got one of those? And the answer is, well, yes, we do, but the Open Podcast Prefix Project is completely open. So um, I've already put it on Pod News's um, uh, podcast downloads, for example. Now anyone can see how many downloads I've got, but more to the point, can also play with that data. So you can have a look at the user agent, you can have a look at the masked IP address, you can't work out the IP address, but you can work out um, individual people, you know, all of that kind of uh, side. Uh, You can see um, uh, what time of day people are downloading that particular podcast, but you can also see that from everyone else who's using OP3. 
Um, so this is a really interesting tool that basically would enable an advertiser to check on my numbers if they wanted to. Um, it's a tool that uh, enables us as an industry to be able to be more open and check all of those numbers, you know, as well, and should enable things in the future um, uh, to be able to point to, for example, um, how successful is Facebook uh, in podcasting? Uh, how successful is Amazon in podcasting? You know, etc., etc. So there's um, a ton of quite useful stuff in here about keeping data like that open. Mm, I can see the value of it now. I'm sure that people can start to build services on the back of that data as well then. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I think what, what John is uh, trying to do uh, with this is that he's trying to firstly uh, see if he can actually get the data uh, first and foremost, because that's uh, a useful thing. But then secondly, can he get uh, the Open Podcast Prefix Project IAB certified? Um, you know, would that be uh, more useful? Um, would he be able to do something else? Would he be able to uh, produce, um, uh, you know, the global uh, stats that Buzzsprout uh, has, which shows you how popular Spotify is and how popular Apple is and blah, blah, blah. That's great, but that's only for Buzzsprout users. So actually, can you do something that's a little bit different in terms of um, everybody using OP3? Um, not just Buzzsprout users, not just users on other, on other platforms and so on. Um, so I think open all of this up and allowing anyone to dive in and grab some of this uh, data. There's an open API, which is all all there. Um, should I think be really, really interesting? So I'm um, I'm most certainly up for it. Now we can't turn it on on Buzzsprout yet without hassling somebody at Buzzsprout support, which I will probably do. But at the moment, this show isn't going through OP3. Um, but uh, the Pod News podcast uh, certainly is. And it's fascinating seeing all of that data uh, coming in. Yeah, we'll have uh, John Spurlock on the show next week to tell us more about it in person. So I look forward to that. Uh, we've mentioned Justin earlier from Transistor. And uh, Justin's already supported the Open Podcast Prefix project as well he's added to the list of analytics prefix they use uh he claims that the company is the first to specifically support the project in app which was quite cool although friend of the show todd cochran disagreed Yes. Todd, and I can see his point of view, says podcasters have been able to use any prefix that they want since 2006. No code is blocking them from doing so, including the OP3 prefix. Surprised that that was newsworthy. Uh, the reason why it was newsworthy is that the way that Transistor supports prefixes is that they have a big list of them with just a little tick box. So instead of uh, relying on you, the podcaster, to know that these prefixes exist, to know how to sign up for them in in OP3's um, uh, uh, side, you don't even need to sign up. But, um, you know, you, you don't need to, to know anything about them. You can just tick the box and away you go, um, which is very different from the likes of Blueberry or Libsyn or other services which don't allow any of that to actually happen. I think Libsyn, by the way, only allows certain prefixes to be set. They don't allow pod sites, or at least they didn't allow pod sites uh, in the past. And um, I don't know whether they allow OP3 yet, and they may or may not. Um, so anyway, so that's why I ended up covering it. But I can completely see from Todd's point of view 
um, that, uh, you know, Blueberry already supports it. You can just type in the OP3 prefix if you happen to know it. Well, we'll find out more next week. Now, uh, another thing I have no idea what's going on, so just ask you, it's much easier. Uh, Apple Podcasts wants a website link for your podcast. I don't get it. Why do they need it? What are they doing, James? Well, every single RSS feed has a link tag in it, which points to the homepage of your podcast. And most podcast apps show that. So you can go and find out more about your podcast and blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, it's a requirement f- to, for example, a- appear in Google Podcasts. You have to have a link to a podcast's homepage. Now, that could be your page on Buzzsprout. It could be your page on your own website. It could be a service like PodPage, but you do have to have a link. Now, Apple Podcasts haven't until recently uh, required a link, and they still don't kind of require one. But what they've said in an email that they've sent out to people uh, is that your podcast really ought to have a link because it's an EU legal requirement that your website contains a legal address, telephone number, and email. Um, so, um, and I think if you've ever visited a German website, then you'll see an impressum, um, which is basically exactly that. It's the name of the publisher. It's a telephone number. It's an email for you to be able to get in touch. Um, and, um, Apple is saying that that's an EU legal requirement, which you may or may not fall foul of. And so therefore, um, they want a website link to, um, make sure that that is, you know, acceptable and, uh, legal. It's probably a good idea anyway. I mean, why would you not have a link to your website? Um, and I know that if you're with uh, Buzzsprout or with uh, Libsyn or with, um, you know, any other large podcast host, Transistor, um, then you will automatically come with a website link anyway. Um, so it's not a big deal, but it's interesting seeing that Apple have been asking for one. Mm. Google seems they also want it too as well, James. Yeah, that's right. So Google have asked for one. Um, I think, in fact, um, Spotify uh, don't show them. Um, and perhaps that they should, perhaps that this is a thing. If it's an EU legal requirement, then perhaps Spotify ought to be showing them. Uh, Pod News podcast pages uh, have showed them uh, forever. And in fact, will kick up an error if your, um, if your link isn't there or if your link is in the wrong format. So it seems to me to be a sensible thing if you are uh, operating a podcast app for you to link to the podcast's homepage. Um, why would you not do that? That seems a sensible thing for uh, creators. So nice to see that Apple Podcasts is doing that again. I think they always used to, but they've now started doing that again. And good to see that, um, you know, other people are also uh, having a look in, into that as well. Again, you know, Spotify, where are you? Now, moving on, uh, a company I'm fascinated by is Podimo out of Denmark. Mm. Uh, the European subscription podcast service has just raised a whopping 58.6 million euros or 58.5 million dollars. I don't know why we need, even need to translate currencies anymore. <laughs> it's one for one now. Um, yes. Anyway, um, they have previously raised more than 116 million dollars. I'm just totally blown away by this. When you look at some of the numbers in the podcast industry, when people raise threes or four millions, we all go amazing, well done. And then you get a company raising 58 million euros. Um, tell me more about Podimo, James. Yeah, they are a fascinating company, and um, there's a lot of myopia in the US 
podcasting world about, you know, we're the United States, we're the best, we're best at podcasting. Uh, nobody will ever learn anything from Europe or anywhere else in the world. And I think that that's misplaced. And this is one of the reasons why. Um, Podimo is a very successful subscription service for podcasts and audiobooks. There's the audiobook word again. Um, and um, it has been incredibly successful, both in Denmark, but also in Germany, Spain, Norway, the Netherlands, Finland, and all across Latin America as well. Uh, you can uh, have a listen to original and exclusive shows ad-free, and you pay for access to some of these large shows. And um, apparently their first market has turned profitable just three years after launch. Many of their other markets are on a similar trajectory as well. So basically they need to, I'm guessing, pay for more great content to lure more people to spending money. And it would be really interesting to uh, learn uh, a little bit more. You haven't uh, had your black book of contacts out, have you, Sam? Well, strangely, yes, I reached out to Morton Strunger, uh, the CEO and founder of Podimo, and I'm glad to say he's coming onto the show next week to tell us a lot more about Podimo. Excellent. And he's a good-looking man, and... by the way. He's a yes, very well... good-looking man. <laughs> yes, well, all Scandinavians are, apart from the uh, so, uh, yes, no, absolutely. Um, so uh, hit that follow button now or that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. That's a good thing. Now, two stories you wrote about, James, that I thought were quite interesting, that they were juxtaposed to each other. One was audio ads work much better than visual ads, says Mars Media Group, highlighting success in apps and games. And then somebody called Adam Rostad post three reasons why you should stop buying ads on podcasts, citing pod fading, skip buttons, and a jarring creative effect. He recommends making your own podcast instead of paying for ads. So what is it, James? Should we be buying audio ads on podcasts or are they a total waste of time? Well, the appearance of a story in Pod News does not necessarily mean that I agree with it. Um, <laughs> let's, let's just make that clear. First of all, Mars Media Group are a company that actually sell advertising, audio advertising into games. And what they're saying there is that um, if you play an audio ad while you are playing a game, then that is a far less irritating and frustrating thing than stopping a game and then playing something visually that actually stops you from playing that game. Tick, I agree. I think that makes an awful lot of sense. Um, is it useful for podcasters to know that? I think so, because I think that there's some parallels there uh, in terms of how uh, audio ads work in podcasting as well. Um, so Mars Media Group, um, you know, obviously they want to sell more audio ads inside games rather than those annoying visual ads that um, stop you from playing something and you have to sit and wait for 30 seconds while, you know, while you get another, you know, token or whatever it is. Um, so completely get that. They're a company out of uh, Israel, by the way. Um, Adam Rostad, he's basically trying to get small companies to make their own podcasts. Uh, and that's fine. And the way that he's doing that is he's uh, throwing podcast advertising under the bus by saying it's rubbish and you should stop buying ads and instead you should pay people like him to make a podcast for your company instead. And, you know, that's a... You know, that's a, that's an option, I suppose. Um, I don't think it's particularly helpful to anybody. Um, but he's saying that uh, podcasts uh, don't uh, hang around forever and quite a lot of podcasts pod fade. Well, great. What's that got to do with buying ads on podcasts? You've heard them. 
don't really understand that. Podcasts have skip buttons, he's, he's discovered. Well, yes, um, they do have skip buttons. But there again, we know that podcast advertising works. So, you know, some people use skip buttons. That's great. Some people flick the button when the, when the ads are on on the radio and flick to a different station. It's not, not necessarily the reason why you should stop buying ads. Uh, and then finally, and I would agree with this, um, some of the ads that you hear on podcasts aren't very good. Absolutely. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all of them are. Um, so I'm not necessarily sure that I agree with um, Adam's post, but I thought that it was an interesting viewpoint. What's this uh, screenshot that you have put in this uh, in, uh, in our show notes then? Uh, <laughs> it was from Adam's uh, blog post that he wrote, and he said in 129 days, 22 hours, he said he skipped nine days and 23 hours. Um, he set his variable speed and saved himself another nine minutes. He's trimmed some silence and got some five more minutes back of his life. Um, and yeah, so he's just trying to say that um, there are ways that he has saved time while listening to podcasts, mm. i.e. double speeding it and also skipping. Um, I, look, I, I think it's the dirty little secret, I think. Um, yes, you say podcast ads work. Uh, are they working because people are paying for them? But are they working because people are actioning on them or listening to them? I know when I, I've got my cable box at home, as soon as the ads come up between House of Dragons or, uh, you know, Power of the Rings, I'm first on the fast forward button past those ads, but I'm sure those ads have been bought and paid for. Um, and is that the same with podcasting? Are people yeah. listening to those ads or skipping them fast? Yeah, and I'm sure that those ads have been paid for, but I'm sure that the small amount of people who skip through um, have also been priced into that. I think when you have a look at podcasts, it's a bit different in that we are listening to podcasts normally when we're doing other things. And we aren't hovering over the remote. Uh, we aren't looking at something. We are enjoying a podcast while we're doing the dishes or something or while we're, um, you know, falling asleep or whatever. When the ad comes on in a podcast, it's a big hassle to all of a sudden fumble around in your pocket and bring out your phone and start, you know, and unlock it and then find by the time you've done all of that, the ad's gone anyway. So I'm not necessarily convinced that um, skipping is a big thing. And all of the data that we've seen, and Sounds Profitable is full of it, all of the data that we've seen um, does show that podcast advertising works. Is there some skipping that goes on? Yeah, absolutely there is. But I don't think it's a massive thing. I think it's already priced in. I mean, similarly, you know, podcast advertising also includes the 13% of podcasts that are downloaded and never listened to. Um, you know, and, that, and that's another thing which is already priced in there as well. So I'm not necessarily sure that it's a major thing, but I think it's worthwhile occasionally reminding ourselves that skipping is possible. And if we're not careful, there are certain things that we might do which um, enable automatic ad skipping in podcast apps. And um, that wouldn't necessarily be a good plan for creatives and for creators of podcasts. So um we should just be a little bit careful in that. And of course, value for value exists too. 
Yes, I can hear Adam screaming at the uh, the uh, podcast right now going, yes, but you don't need ads, just use value for value and pay what you want. Yeah, um, but I think but anyway. a- Adam is also very open that actually, you know, it, it's not a binary conversation. Um, there's nothing wrong with ads. It, Adam doesn't use them, but there's nothing wrong with ads and you can do both uh, if you want to. Um, or you can do one thing in one podcast and one thing in another. I'm, I'm, I'm always slightly wary when um, some people are, you know, slagging off uh, parts of our industry just to help their own products succeed. And that's what appears to be going on with, um, you know, this post from Adam Rostad. I always think that that's probably not the right thing to do. Hmm. Now, moving on, uh, Ivy.fm, a company I've not come across till recently, uh, now supports transcripts, sound bites, and location from the podcast index namespace. So congratulations to the guys there. Over 200,000 episodes with transcripts and sound bites so far. On each episode, you can search within the transcripts and even jump to that spot too. Have mm, you have used you? or found Ivy before, James? Yeah, I've used um, Ivy um, a little bit just to sort of take a look. They have pod news on there, which is lovely. They have a link to the transcripts on there. Uh, That link didn't work so far as I could work out. So I'm not quite sure what they're supporting in terms of uh, transcripts and what they're not supporting. But uh, have you used it? Well, I went and played with it. Um, great use of tags. I haven't seen many other people use tags because mm. in Podland, I always put tags um, at the bottom before we publish. Um, and it was great to see them use it. Um, they don't support episode art. Um, so it was very singular. Um, mm. And the formatting on show notes, there was none. So it was all one block of text. Um, and yeah, I couldn't get transcripts or sound bites to work. But look, it's early days. This is their uh, travel of direction. Uh, congratulations that they're using the podcast index namespace. It's another one to add to the list. And uh, I'm sure whatever bugs we've found, James, they'll probably get fixed, hopefully. Yeah, indeed. And everything changes, um, uh, which is uh, always the way. And talking about everything changing, Captivate, a podcast hosting company, has just announced version two of their dynamic content and monetization engine, Amy, which is essentially a magic tool which allows you to uh, manage dynamic content. That might be ads, it might be other things, uh, quickly and at scale. They've got tagging, they've got some smart interface upgrades and everything else. Uh, It's a very smart little uh, system. When I saw Amy version one, then it had this really nice tool in there, which was called an ad painter, where you could basically paint where you want your ads to go. Um, in a show and replace ads that have been baked in. Um, so they do some really nice uh, things in there and uh, nice to see Captivate um, continuing to innovate on this front. Now, moving on, uh, a new company I haven't heard of before, another one, hey, um, podcast hosting company RSS Blue has added support for Olby and Fountain Digital Wallets, which is quite cool. And it's also supporting the podcast 2.0 value for value tag. It's another podcast host, and they appear to be very keen on uh, podcasting 2.0. Um, they've done a lot of um, good work around the medium tag and the uh, location tag and funding tags and other things such as that. Uh, the clever thing here is that you can actually connect with your Albi wallet or with your Fountain wallet. So it will do all of the complicated bits of filling in all of the random codes for you and you don't have to worry about that. And I think from 
that point of view, that's really good to see. A lot of the UX around podcasting 2.0 has been very, very clunky, and it's been fine for geeks like me, but not so fine for normal human beings. Um, so nice to see RSS Blue doing some you know, good work uh, in terms of a really clear user experience uh, there. I think the other thing that they've done really well is they're beginning to support music as well as a mechanism for payment through value for value using your digital wallet and SaaS. So not only can you pay for podcasts, you can also pay for music. So you can upload your music to them or you can upload your podcast. And again, as I said, you know, conversations had uh, in private with other podcast company apps. Um, yeah. It's not going to be long before um, people start to compete with Spotify. As I said, I think a couple of weeks back, my daughter won't move from Spotify because she gets everything in one place, music and podcasts. And now with audio books, she, she's certainly not going to move. So mm. podcasting apps are going to either have to compete or differentiate on another way. And it looks like RSS Blue are saying, hey, if you are an individual music artist, yeah, you can host with us as well, and uh, people can pay you through Satoshis. Um, so that's a nice move forward, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly it's certainly a move forward. I'm going to be controversial, and I'm going to say that um, anything that uh, we are doing in terms of the music medium for podcasting is just trouble. What we're basically saying is um, to people is upload your music, you will get paid money through your music, money that, by the way, isn't particularly trackable, um, and uh, nothing's going to go wrong there. Uh, there won't be any piracy uh, whatsoever that happens with that. Uh, it, it just looks to me like uh, trouble and trouble and trouble. And if I was building a podcast directory or building a podcast app, the first thing I would do is I would look at any podcasts that has the medium of music and exclude them because I have absolutely no idea where that music has come from, whose copyright that music is. I'm just really, really concerned about that. But I'm sure brighter people than me have already fixed, you know, all of that kind of uh, stuff. Maybe just stick it on anchor. No one's checking. It'd be much easier. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, now, talking uh, about uh, copying, actually, um, Alby has been accused of copying almost word for word an article from Fountain. Um, Oscar Mary spotted the similarities um, in a uh, in a social uh, post in the podcast index social um, and is justifiably irritated. Uh, Michael Booman, uh, who listens to this show, he's taken the page down. He says he didn't do the required review. Um, that's what he's saying. So um, it, it's just a little bit disappointing when you see uh, companies copying stuff that other companies have done. Um, I, I can see this on the other side that actually, you know, um, Fountain's stuff was really well written and, and uh, it was nice to uh, give that another airing. But I can also see from the point of view of, um, of uh, Albie, they should probably have asked first before copying stuff. And particularly since those two companies are kind of in competition, it would be quite nice had they not uh, grabbed uh, some of that uh, content so um so boo but i'm sure it'll all get fixed in the end yeah i mean boomy is uh working hard on some other stuff which isn't copied uh he's written a web ln enabled tip 
web component and he's also written an embeddable one for your website. These can both be found on a new website called makers.bolt.fun and actually uh, on the 12th of October they'll be doing something called the Legends of Lightning which is a hackathon uh, to allow people to create more lightning uh, plugins, apps, whatever it may be. The award, though, is $60,000 to the maker who builds the most innovative and awesome lightning project. Very nice. Is he actually paying that in real money or or, or is he paying that in uh, in sats? Uh, no, he's going higher. He's going to pay it in three Bitcoin. There you go. Three Bitcoin. There's the future. Um, but uh, I will be going and having a look at the Simple Boost um, Lightning Tipping Web component uh, straight after this to see if I can uh, incorporate that because that looks good. Um, so uh, worthwhile taking a peek on. Right, I tell you what, it's time for now. Now it's time for the Booster 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 Boostergram Corner. Boostergram Corner. I don't know a thing about crypto. It is. It's time for Boostergram Corner. Now we've got a uh, we've got a boost from Adam Curry. In fact, we've only got one boost this week. I don't know whether that's because um, my. Um, my umbral is a little bit upset. The electrician came the other day, tried to, tried to put something on, didn't put something on, had to turn the power on and off and on and off. Uh, so I'm not necessarily sure that everything is working, but Adam Curry has very kindly boosted us a thousand sats and then said underneath boosting since Podverse doesn't stream sats yet. 78 minutes times 200 sats. Well, 78 minutes times 200 sats should be 15,600. Uh, and it says here 1,000 sats. I'm not quite sure what's going on. But um, so firstly, thank you, Adam, for that. But, but also, I, I wonder whether this is a wider question about support, because if, you know, Podverse says that they support um, value for value, but they don't. They don't support streaming sats. And streaming sats, um, certainly for um, many uh, podcasts that I've looked at, is about, you know, a third of all of the sats that you get. But Podverse doesn't support that. So should Podverse be able to actually say that they support uh, value for value if they don't support the streaming sats bit, Sam. Do you think that that's fair? Well, I, again, I think it's a little bit pedantic. I think they are moving in the direction. They've started to support uh, value for value. And mm. I think they should be um, hat-tipped for doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, they haven't fully supported it, and, and hopefully they will in the next issue. So, mm. again, I, I'm, I'm not going to... Um, give them a demerit or put them on but, the naughty step for it. But, I you think. know, I, I wonder, so, the, so there's a conversation going on in GitHub at the moment around web monetization, which is another form of, it's a bit like sats, but it's with fractions of um, actual dollars, um, where you can um, send money to your favorite uh, websites. Um, and Pod News has actually supported that for the last year and a half. And I think we've got about 80 cents from it. So there you go. But anyway, um, there's somebody talking about supporting web monetization uh, through value for value, which uh, seems to be a very sensible thing. Um, if web monetization works, why not? But what that then means is that it's not as simple as finding an app that supports um, value for value. It's then going, okay, well, this app supports value for value, but does it support the web monetization bit? Or does it support the streaming sats bit? Or does it support X, Y, and Z? 
And it just sort of worries me that we actually don't necessarily know, even if you say that something is capable of supporting, um, you, you know, the value for value uh, stuff, you know, are they actually properly supporting it? Um, and I, I think, again, there may be trouble ahead. Well, there may be. But I think for most listeners or users of the app, um, again, it's a step forward. I think it's just getting them into what's a wallet, what's SATs, what is this payment. Um, I think streaming is something that's much further down the road. I mean, I, I'm pretty cool with it. I'm sure they'll integrate it when they're ready. But, uh, you know, we'll, we will see whether they do it or don't. Now, look, moving on quickly, James. Um, uh, Tom Webster was a guest on Six Pixels this week, and uh, he put up a tweet, which I thought was quite nice. He said, congratulations to Mitch Joel on episode 845, uh, talking about the future of podcasting is what he was doing. Uh, and he noted that this is the longest running business podcast. So I haven't heard of Six Pixels, but um, have you used it, heard it, listened to it? Uh uh, me neither. I'll have to tell you. Uh, no. Um, but uh, there are plenty of podcasts out there which I have not heard of. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily worry about What are you doing, James? <laughs> Maybe you should <laughs> skip some ads. <laughs> it's the Six Pixels of Separation podcast. Uh, it's been hosted by uh, Libsyn um, for, um, well, many years, given that it's on eight, episode 845. I mean, the archive uh, goes all the way back to September 2003. So it's a proper OG podcast, um, you know, if that's the case. Uh, so it'll be, um, yeah, worthwhile uh, checking out. Uh, what else is worthwhile checking out? There's a story in Bitcoin magazine about podcasting 2.0s, value for value funding. They're basically saying it's the future of Bitcoin. It's the future of a lot of things, uh, which is all very exciting. Um, and um, th there was uh, something that you say is a really interesting read about value ranking and podcasting. Yeah, I mean, again, last Christmas, I started to write a piece. Um, I think I shared it with you, Adam and, and Dave, which was Web3, you know, um, in my head is Ethereum, NFT and that whole stack. Um, mm. But RSS has all the traits of Web3, data portability, interoperability, uh, monetization and ownership. And again, the first piece, the Bitcoin magazine piece about podcasting's value for value, Marty Ben, who wrote it, is picking up on that fact. He's saying, look, you know, here's a way that you can monetize and decentralize and it's peer to peer. And so he's understanding that RSS plus, um, you know, the micro payment systems that we're using and the value mm. tag are beginning to allow this to happen, which is what Web3 hoped will happen, but we're already doing it in podcasting. So I think it's a really interesting read. And Max Webster uh, has gone one stage further. He's questioning uh, Google search. He's saying it's vulnerable uh, because it can be easily gamed now. So many people understand how to game Google's page rank and SEO. Um, and him and Oscar Merry uh, from Fountain have been talking about a new thing called the value rank or the market rank, which is another name for it, uh, which they use native currencies such as SATs to have a indication of whether this content is high value. So if people start to pay uh, micro payments instead of likes or hearts or thumbs up for content, then maybe you can create a new ranking system in search engines that says, yeah, this 
uh, piece of content, whether it's a podcast, music, a book, or a web page, um, has got a lot of uh, interaction and attention. And maybe we should value it higher. And therefore, in a search engine result, it would show differently. So it's an interesting piece. I think it's just an interesting thought process of, are we moving into the attention economy now that we have a micropayment system that allows us to value content for the first time ever? Well, you'll find that linked from our show notes, um, which you will find at all the w's.podland.news. In events, the Publisher Podcast Summit is coming up in London um, in early October, the 5th and 6th of October. Prior to that, of course, uh, is uh, the Podcast Day 24, which is happening in London and in Sydney in Australia. Uh, Tickets are still available for that. Pod N1215 will get you some money off. get you quite a lot of money off um, if you want to come along to that if you come to the london event you get to watch the australian event from the comfort of your own home and the other way around uh, as well the winners of the irish podcast awards were announced last week in dublin um, fans enjoyed an evening filled with the best of Irish podcasting, uh, apparently. Um, and uh, as ever, um, there was a, a brilliant podcast of the year winner, The Witness, um, which uh, ended up um, winning that as well as best documentary and moment of the year. Um, rather disappointingly, uh, the Listener's Choice Award went to a podcast called Talking Bollocks. Um, and I always, I always, uh, you know, sort of put my head in my hands when podcasts like that end up winning. I've never listened to it, but the the name "Talking Bollocks" kind of reaffirms what many people think of as podcasting. It's just you know, two mics, one brain type shows. Um, I just wish it was called something else. Um, but uh, My Therapist Ghosted Me, number two, and Real Life Ghost Stories, number three. Anyway, congratulations uh, to them and change your name. <laughs> That's what I would say. Uh, coming up, International Podcast Day on September 30th. Are you doing anything exciting for International Podcast Day, Sam? Not yet, James. I'm not sure what we're going to do, but uh, it is on September 30th. So uh, keep an eye out for activities that are occurring. But right now, no, I have no plans. Do you? Uh, I've got no plans whatsoever. Uh, It's one of those weird uh, days where nobody's actually overall in charge um, and you're never quite sure how to get involved in it. Um, But I'm sure it'll be a, a great day as it always is. Um, if you'd like to work with um, uh, Chartable, then you can do. Uh, there's a job um, going there, uh, working directly with Dave and Harish, along with the rest of the amazing Chartable and Megaphone teams to build the future of podcast audience insights and growth tools at Megaphone. Um, if you fancy yourself as a product manager for podcast analytics at Chartable, um, then you probably want to have a look at um, pod jobs uh, and find out all of that. Um, what's happening for you this week in Podland, Sam? Sadly, nothing. I, nothing I can talk about anyway. There are, there are things going on, and I will probably announce them in a couple of weeks. But right now, James, nothing. That's all I will say. Well, there you go. Um, what's happened for well, me is yes, um, I now have a Z-Wave um, uh, smart home controller in my house. I'm so uh, sorry. Which, <laughs> I know, which controls one light. Uh, that's it. But I can now, uh, and this is brilliant. I can now sit watching the television, order Uber Eats, 
and um, and then and then from the comfort of my uh, of my uh, sofa, turn on the outside light so that the Uber Eats person knows where to drop off the food. That's exciting, isn't it? Um, one of the things that I, I am thinking about uh, doing is um, so we're under a flight path here. Um, occasionally, so occasionally the the aeroplanes will go in a particular direction, and what I want to do is I want to get a a little antenna and a Raspberry Pi, and be able to basically work out where is the closest aeroplane to my house and where's it going. But I need to work out some form of a uh, display, and I'm not quite sure what to use for a display for that. Whether Flight radar. Well, yeah, but there's like, but but what do I use as a screen though? What do I use as a screen? Because I can get the data. Um, you can get the data with just a little antenna um, that actually looks at what the airplanes over uh, overhead are doing. But what I would really like is a screen. But I'm not quite sure whether I should use e-ink or whether I should use some fancy little OLED scrolly thing or something. But that's my that's my new my new project. So, um, any ideas? Uh, stick them in the boosts. Uh, that would be lovely. Uh, and that's it for this week. If you like this episode of Podland, tell others to visit and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week with another review and analysis of all things podcasting, including interviews uh, with uh, Podimo and with John Spurlock. Indeed. You'll also find all our previous shows and interviews on our website, podland.news. You can give us feedback using a boostergram. If your podcast app doesn't support Boost, then grab a new one from podnews.net forward slash new podcast apps. Yes, and if you'd like daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter is free at podnews.net. The podcast can be found in your podcast app too and on your smart speaker. And you'll find all the stories in our show notes. We use chapters and transcripts too. Our music is from Studio Dragonfly and we're hosted and sponsored by our good friends, Buzzsprout and Squadcast. Keep listening. Thank you.